You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Daniel Yelverton. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Amen. You can have a seat. All right. Welcome to Elevation Community Church. Uh, If we haven't met yet, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, We're so glad that you joined us this morning. Uh, And if you're a first-time guest, we wanted to extend a special welcome to you. You could be at a lot of different places Sunday morning, but you're here with us, and that's awesome. Uh, So just wanted to let you know that I'm not normally the pastor that's up here. Usually our lead pastor, Pastor Phil, is teaching, uh, but he's in mourning currently right now. Uh, If you guys don't know, Pastor Phil is a a big Wisconsin fan, and uh, his heart was just broken last night. Uh, and so he's in sackcloth and ashes, and he's weeping uncontrollably. He barely, barely held it together up here. Um, so, no, it just happened to be a convenient thing that that all happened, and so uh, this wasn't something that I guess God foreknew that Phil just needed a, uh, a time to just relax and rest today. Um, so anyways, but uh, if you're just joining us, uh, this, uh, we are starting a series called Make Room, and actually we, last week, I know, look at that, this is just, it's a mean stare. All right, am I sitting in a, in a, in a bad feedback place? All right. Just talk louder. Okay. I'll do better than that. Okay, is that good? All right. Maybe not. All right. So anyways, uh, during this holiday season, we are uh, doing a series called Make Room. And last week, uh, Pastor Phil, he uh, kind of introed the entire series. So if you haven't uh, seen last week's message, uh, go check it out. We have a YouTube channel. You can check it out. We have our sermons on our podcast. But basically, what Pastor Phil was talking about was that Jesus came in a very unconventional way that he came humbly, that he came in the form of a baby. And so even though there was no room for Jesus, there was no room in the minds of the, Ju- of, of the Judean people, Jesus still came. He came even though there was no room at all in Bethlehem. And so he came in a stable and, uh, and he came amongst shepherds, the lowest of society. It's not what you would envision the creator of the universe to come, but he still came. And he came because he loved us. And so that's why we can love. It's because he first loved us. And while we were still sinners, he still came. And so it wasn't the most ideal situation, but Jesus was still coming for us. And so Jesus was doing things that were so unconventional, even from his birth. And and John, uh, the, the first chapter of John, verses 10 through 12, I think sums us up really well. It says, he came into the very world he created. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But all who believed him and accepted him, he gave right to become children of God. You see, Jesus came in the most unconventional way. But also, Jesus, he saved, he saved us, and he sacrificed for humanity in a very unconventional way. Right, Because the the Jewish people were expecting a conquering Messiah to come and conquer the Romans and then usher in this golden age of uh, Israel. But instead, Jesus came to not be served, but to serve and to give his life up as a ransom for many. And so that is the good news when we talk about the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. 
that he came in such an unconventional way, but he came for us, and he came to bring us and bring in right relationship with us in God, because that's really what it's all about. See, we broke relationship with God long ago with Adam and Eve. And so Jesus came so that we could have now this right relationship with God. But he's not going to force it on us because that's not how relationships work. He's not going to force us to love him. He's not going to force us to accept him. He's not going to kick down the door, put us in a headlock and says, you're going to accept me as your Lord and Savior. No. That's a terrible wrestling invitation. I don't watch wrestling at all. I refer to the expert over here. Um, Man. So, we're doing good. We're doing good, guys. First time back. We're doing good. Okay, so, uh, but Jesus, what he does is he stands at the door of our hearts, and he's knocking, and he's knocking, and, and he wants us to open the door. It says in Revelation 3.20, it says, I, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, voice and open the door, I will come in. I love this. And we'll share a meal together as friends. Right? That's what Jesus wants. He wants to bring reconciliation between you and God. He wants to be in right relationship. He wants a relationship with you. And so if, if this is like brand new to you, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Because I think I had to kind of wrestle with this question. Because if Jesus is standing at the door and knocking, the question that I had is what happens when I open the door? Right? I mean, it's, it feels like it could be, like, what's, what's, what's going to happen? Is there a bait and switch? Is there something that's going to take place? Like, what happens when you open the door? And I thought it would just be awesome just to read just a section of Scripture and it's not going to be on the screen. So if you have your Bibles, uh, maybe turn, turn to Ephesians 1. Uh, if you, I can see some of the glow of the Holy Spirit on you all as you open up your apps, and that's totally fine. Uh, if you don't have the, uh, our app has the, uh, the Bible on it, has the ESV. I'm actually going to be reading from the New Living Translation. So if you have the ability to change translations, you can do that. But if you don't, I just want you to just kind of listen and really soak this in. And I want you to kind of hear, basically, what we have because of Christ. And so we're going to be in Ephesians, and we're going to start in verse 3. And it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Every spiritual blessing. The ability to love unconditionally, the ability to sacrifice, the ability to serve others, to be full of joy, to be full of kindness, to be patient, to uh, look out for the needs of others instead of your, uh, your own needs, to encourage one another, all of these things. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Why? Because we were united with Christ. This is even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So picture this, before God created everything, all right, before God created the world, before he spoke it into existence, he said, I love you. He saw you and he said, I love you. And you know what's amazing is he didn't say, I love you because of all the good things you've done. 
before you even took a breath and before you made your worst decision in life, your greatest regret, Jesus, it says that God loved us and chose us to be holy. Holy is kind of set apart, meaning that he set us apart for uh, to be his children, but, but faultless in his eyes. Faultless. How many of you guys are faultless right now? Yeah, that's right. You're faultless. You're faultless because of Jesus. Your worst decision, faultless because of Jesus. <laughs> and you know what this is? God decided in advance. So back when, before everything was created, God decided in advance to what? Adopt us into his own family by bringing him, us to himself through Christ. Why? Why did he do that? It says it's because it's what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Think about that. God was so happy that you were going to be in his family. He was so happy that you were going to be in his family. So we praise God for the glorious grace. Grace is just an undeserved favor that he has poured out on us because of, uh, because of us who belong to his dear son, Jesus. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he has purchased our freedom. Freedom. You know, I think it's interesting because I, I know we love freedom, and freedom is something that we, many people have paid a great cost for, especially in our country. We have freedom. Freedom not only from tyranny outside, but sometimes I find that the worst tyranny comes from within me that I become my own worst enemy. But we have freedom now with the blood of his son. And you know what? He forgave our sins. All of them. All of this before we were even born, before we were created. God saw us, loved us, forgave us, and he showered us with his kindness with all wisdom and understanding. You frustrated about something? Something weighing heavy on you? Man, can you not wrap your mind around a present situation? I get it. We're all there. We experience things that God never intended from the beginning. But you know what? He has all wisdom and understanding, and he never turns us away. We talked about that in the You Ask For It series early on. It says that in James 1, that if you ever lack wisdom, all you need to do is ask our generous God, and he will give it to you, and he will never turn you away. Mm. It says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ. So he had a plan long ago regarding Christ and what he was going to do for us. A plan to fulfill his own good pleasure, and this is the plan. At the right time, he was going to bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Man, our, our big brother, he's got everything in control. He has everything under his authority. Some of you guys may not have good sibling relationships, and I get it. We, me and my brother, we had conflicts. We had to go to a family psychiatrist because of me, so I get it. That's another story for another day. But man, the big brother who died for you, who loves you, who is now talking to God on your behalf right now, he has the authority of everything on heaven and on earth. And furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. I 
I bet if God can create everything and make everything really awesome, I'm sure his inheritance is going to be pretty amazing. And he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. It says that God's purpose was that we, the Jews, who would be the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God, and now you, the Gentiles, have also heard this truth, the good news that God saves. What's going on here? Okay, there was a distinction between the Jewish people and the Gentiles people. Gentiles is anyone that's non-Jewish. Basically, what Jesus did is he broke down all the barriers between all races, all, all ethnicities, uh, any gender issues, whatever it is, he broke down all of those barriers so that we could all be part of one big family. And when, we, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. It says that our names are written on his hands. By giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. So this is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The same Spirit that you see Jesus' power flowing through, that you see all of the amazing miracles that you see in Acts and everything beyond. That same powerful Spirit is in us. It's in us. And it's part of our inheritance. Meaning this is, this is a deposit. This is saying, like, hey, this is what you get so that you can know that everything's going to be awesome in eternity. But also, you get to experience my power right now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, that's pretty good stuff. Man, and he purchased. And, this is a, and that he will give to us his inheritance that he promised and that he purchased us to, to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. You know what's cool, guys? Is that that's only 11 verses in the New Testament. There's so much more. But, but Jesus is not going to force this on you. He's knocking. He's knocking on your heart. He's saying all of this is available to you. Will you believe? Will you open up the door? Will, you, will we sit down and have a meal? Let's go through this process together. See, following Jesus is not just a one-time decision, a one-time prayer that we pray. Many of you have prayed that prayer, and that's awesome. You, we are all brothers and sisters, and I praise God for that. But the, the prayer in itself is just, is just the beginning. See, Paul says this in Colossians 2, 6-7. He says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord... May you continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong and in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You see, following Jesus is something that we, we, we do. It's a life choice. We build our life around him. We let our roots grow deep in him. And why not? After what we just read, why not? Why not build our life around this? And so the knocking at the door of our hearts is what Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, may be doing to you this morning. And this may be the first time. And like I said, I'm so glad you're here. And I want to walk you through what it looks like to start that relationship with Jesus, to just open the door. But really, that's your choice, and you can do that. But before we go any further, I, I need to draw us back to uh, Revelations 3.20.
because I want to give you context for this scripture. Now, this scripture is absolutely applicable to people that don't believe in Jesus and have never believed in Jesus, and now he's knocking on the door and he wants to come into their hearts. But the context in which Jesus is saying the scripture is not to people that don't believe in Jesus. It's to the church. And that starts to bother me a little bit. I'm beginning to start asking, start asking these questions like, man, how, how did this happen? How is Jesus on the outside of a church knocking? How is, how is Jesus outside of the heart of a believer knocking? Was he pushed out? Is he no longer welcome? And then I had a really sobering thought. Did they even notice? Did they notice that he wasn't even there? Because he's knocking. And he wants to come inside. And so I want us to, to figure out what happened there. How did, the, how did we get to this point? And to get to this point, we need to go back and read the rest of the letter that John was writing to the Laodicean church in Revelations 3. Now, this is the seventh letter uh, to the church. This is an actual church in John's time, the Apostle John. And it was a very, very wealthy city. It was a city that got destroyed by fire and was rebuilt only on, on the sole funds of one family. They had, uh, it was the center of the textile industry. They had a very fine black wool that was only in the mountains of their region that people would come from all over the world to buy this wool, right? And they also were positioned close to a hot springs that was used for medicinal purposes. So it was a center of medicine. It was a center of, of textile and fashion. This was a really wealthy city. There was an earthquake that went right through the valley of the city that it's in, destroyed all of the, <clears throat> all of the cities that were in the valley, and the Roman government uh, put together grants to help rebuild all of those cities, and the Laodiceans said, no, we're good. We can rebuild it ourselves. This is the church that John, uh, that John is writing to. And this is the church that Jesus is talking to. And so not only is it a physical church, but, but John, uh, many scholars believe that these are talking about different ages of the church. In this last age, the, the church at Laodicea is what many scholars believe is the church that we live in right now. And so it starts in verse 15. It says, I, I know all the things you do. You are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And this is really strong language. It's basically saying that this church is repulsing Jesus, that he's vomiting because of this church. And the, the lukewarmness is just kind of like, it's not really serving its purpose, right? Because hot, the hot springs were good for medicine and good for medicinal purposes, right? The cold springs were very refreshing. But when they came in and they just stagnated and you got lukewarm, it just was disgusting. I thought about this even with the cafe today, and I thought I could put, kind of play a prank on you guys. Just think, like, what if we just serve lukewarm coffee to all of you guys? Man, wouldn't that be delicious? Isn't that great? You know, get a latte. You know, mmm, lukewarm, yum. Everyone loves that, right? Or we have iced coffee. We don't have it now; it's a little cold. But when we have iced coffee, same thing. You want iced coffee? It's refreshing, right? 
Mmm, lukewarm iced coffee. Gotta love that, right? And so this church, this people, they're, they're not doing what they were intended to do. They're neither one side or the other. They're not refreshing or soothing in either way. They're just right in the middle. But this is the church responding back to Jesus' critique. Verse 17, you say, hey, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And maybe we can see that just because of this is a very, very wealthy city. But then Jesus says, and you don't realize, though, that you are wretched and you are miserable and poor and naked and blind. And these are strong words. So I advise you, buy gold for me, gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. And also buy white garments from me so you will not be ashamed ashamed of your nakedness. And oil for your eyes so that you will be able to see. One thing that Laodicea was also known for is that they had an eye salve or an eye ointment that was used to treat most eye issues. And so that was another source of income and wealth that was coming into this city. And so Jesus has three things that he is advising and asking, knocking, hoping that this church will respond to. And I want us to kind of zero in on that. And this is not an exhaustive list when it comes to pushing Jesus out of our lives. But I think this is a good place to start. So the first thing that we see and the first critique that he has is that if Jesus is outside, maybe they're not buying gold from Jesus. Are you buying gold from Jesus? Now, this seems kind of weird, right? seems really transactional. It's like, oh, man, I got gold in the wrong place. I need to go buy gold from Jesus or getting the wrong stock or whatever it is. That's what it kind of sounds like, right? But what we get from God, and this is an amazing gift, is that when he created Adam, he gave Adam the ability, and this is passed on to all of us, to ascribe value to something, right? Okay, so it says here in in Matthew 6, 19 through through 21, it says, do not store up treasures on earth, right? So there's options, right? We have the ability to store up treasures on earth or store up treasures in heavens. We have the ability to ascribe value to things. We have the ability to say this is worth it and this isn't. And so how do we know and how do we distinguish where we're describing or ascribing that value? I think about it in a couple ways, and I try to ask myself a couple questions. First, okay, what am I spending my time and energy and effort into? Because that is a valuable resource. Probably, I would say, a lot more valuable than money. Money can come and go, but time is something that we have uh, a limited amount of, and we can't do anything to get more. Right? So what are you spending your time with? What are you spending your energy on? What are you spending your resources on? What are you willing to sacrifice for? What are you willing to give up something for? Right? And how do you know it's going to the right place? So Jesus said that, uh, that he has come to give us life and life abundantly. But there's somebody else in the equation. He says that there's an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So as you're evaluating where you're buying gold from, I want you to take inventory on how that's going. Are you losing? Are you you losing in your relationships? Are you losing in 
your finances? Are you losing in your character? Is something else being destroyed? Is something being stolen? Could it be that you have ascribed value to something else that was never intended to satisfy? And I think of three main areas to look at this. First is pleasure. Where are you ascribing your desire for pleasure, your need for pleasure, and your want for pleasure? Because pleasure is a gift. It's a good thing. It says here in Psalm 1611 that you make known to me the path of life. In your presence is what? Fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Is your pursuit for pleasure, do you feel like you're losing? Do you feel like you're chasing after the wind? Do you feel like you're pulling up with empty promises? Because when Jesus says, store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in to steal, are you in a loss in that column? It may just be that you have ascribed value to the wrong thing. What about protection and peace of mind? This is actually on the outside of my Bible here, and it's in Psalms uh, 91, verse 1 and 2. It says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find their rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, a place of safety. He is my God, and I trust in Him. So how do you know? How do you know if this is a place where you've ascribed value for protection that is falling short. So here is the best way that I've discovered in my life is whenever I experience pain, discomfort, fear, worry, distraught, trouble, anger, whatever it is, a negative emotion, what's my first go-to? What do I go to relieve that? What do I go to help me deal with that issue? Because that is a really good indicator of what you're looking for for a refuge, what you're looking for for protection. And it can be anything. You know, I mean, it can, be, it can be good things. It can be food. It can be family. It can be harmful things like drugs and alcohol. It can be entertainment. I mean, for me, it's this. I would go to this. I can't, ha- I can't have true confession. I can't have games on my phone because I go to that for protection, and I have to pull away from that. It's sad to say, but it's true. I struggle with that. For some people, it's relationships, it's sex, it's pornography, shopping, whatever it is, you're going to something for refuge. Are you buying gold from the wrong place? The last one I want us to look at is just provision. Who are you looking forward to providing for your needs? Philippians 4.13 says, The same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs through your glorious riches. The question I ask myself when I think about this is, What worries you the most? When you are awake at night, when you're worried, when something is bothering you and you don't know where it is, where you're not trusting and you don't know where it's coming from, are you hoping that you're going to find provision in something other than God? So, So that was one aspect that God was, or Jesus was telling this church, are you buying gold for me? Can you trust me with the desires of your heart? Can you seek first me and I will put everything else in place? The second thing that that I see here is, is are you wearing Jesus' clothes? 
Right, now that's really weird too, right? Just as much as buying gold. Like, what are you wearing today? I'm wearing Jesus, right? <clears throat> I look good in Jesus. So how do you know? What is that? Like, what is this whole, like, buy your clothes from me? Well, clothes, and especially the symbolism of clothes in Scripture, has to do with righteousness. Righteousness is just a word that means right standing with God, right? And what's really interesting is that when Adam and Eve first sinned, <clears throat> you know what's the first thing they felt? They were naked. They felt shame because the covering of the acceptance and the approval of God was removed from them. And they felt exposed and vulnerable. <clears throat> Jesus even says that in Matthew 22, he gives a parable about a great feast. And he says that you have to have on the right clothes. You have to have on my wedding clothes. Because when people show up and they don't have the right clothes, they're kicked out. So how do you know that you're wearing Jesus, right? Do you get a tag? It says, like, you know, made by Jesus from heaven or something like that. How do you know? The best way that I can think about this is that you know you're wearing Jesus by how you treat other people. By how you look and view it yourself. Because if, if Jesus, through an overwhelming tide of grace and forgiveness, was able to forgive every one of your sins, even before you were able to take a breath, do you think you could do the same? If Jesus was able to give you all mercy, all joy, pleasures forevermore, <clears throat> do you think you could shed the bitterness? You see, the way we treat people shows if we're true disciples of Jesus. The way that we treat our loved ones, the way that we treat perfect strangers, the way we write things on social media. Are you wearing Jesus? Because if you're wearing Jesus, then you're clothed in gift righteousness. Meaning Jesus did everything for you. He, all the right standing is in him. And we've used this phrase before, but we may not think about it in this context, but what do you find? Someone who's judging, right? Who looks down on somebody, who treats other people poorly. They're what? They're self-righteous. They're wearing a different clothes. They're saying that, hey, God, look at me. I've done better than this person. No, you need to hurt them. You need to, they need to experience pain. You know what? I can't forgive them. I'm good. I'm in a better place than they are. I've got my own self-righteousness. Are you wearing Jesus? The last thing that you see here is that Jesus told them that they needed new sight. So is Jesus changing your sight? Now, spiritual blindness is something that Jesus talked to the Pharisees about, and it's a really... It's kind of connected to all the other ones because you're not going to be able to see if you're putting your gold, your investment, your time, all your resources in the wrong places if you're spiritually blind. You're not going to be able to see internally and recognize the clothes that you're wearing if you're spiritually blind. So are you allowing Jesus to change the way you see things? Because you'll change the way not only you see yourself, but also you're going to shift the way you live the way you invest, the way you look towards the future. Colossians 3 says, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ is seated 
on the right hand. That there is greater things to pour into. There's greater things to invest into. There's greater things to make an impact, not only in this life and the next. You have life abundantly for you, but is Jesus removed from the equation? Is he knocking, saying, you pushed me out? You put on your own clothes. You've taken the, the righteousness that I've given you and put on your own self-righteousness. Now look at the way you're treating people. Or you know what? I wanted to give you pleasure, but you went the other way. You wanted to get it yourself. And that's what I did. Eight years of that. I said, I'm going to get pleasure for myself because I know what's best. You know what I didn't get? I didn't get pleasure. I wrecked my life. And Jesus was here the whole time. Daniel, let me in. Let me in. Will you allow him to change the way you think? So as the band comes up, I want to... I want to ask you a really important question. Will you open the door to Jesus? Because like I said earlier, he's not going to kick down the door. He loves you too much. He wants a right relationship with you. He wants to honor your ability to choose him. Love is out of free will. So will you open the door? And if you want to open the door for the first time, yes, yes. All these things that we've read and more are yours at your disposal and at, for your enjoyment because of what Jesus has done for you. But maybe you've already made this decision. But somehow Jesus is on the outside of your life right now. And he's knocking. And he says, let me in because I want to give you these things. I want you to experience life abundantly. You're getting robbed right now. He wants to change your relationships. He wants to change every aspect of your life. But will you let him in? And here's the cool thing is don't fix up the house. He wants to come just as it is. You don't need anything to change. You just need to open the door. He'll take care of the rest. He'll work with you. It says, it's really cool. It says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for I am humble and gentle. What Jesus is saying is he's saying, hey, you got burdens, you've got things you're going on in your life. Attach yourself to me. Let's walk this together. Let me teach you. Let me pace with you because I'm gentle. And here's the good news is that if we open the door, he will come in and we're going to share a meal together. he did <laughs> will you open the door 
you know, we're, we're getting ready to sing a song, and it's called Here's My Heart. And your heart is the most precious commodity. It's what Jesus wants. And so when we're singing this, I, I want you to sing it and evaluate. God, here's my heart. Here's my heart. Speak truth to it because my situation is jacked up. Speak truth to it. It says that I am found and I am yours. I am loved and I'm made pure. I have life and I can breathe. I am healed and I am free. Here's my heart. And so I'm going to pray for this time. But I pray this is a time where we collectively, wherever we are, we open the door. I don't know where this is landing with you right now, but I pray that the Holy Spirit gives you insight. Where do you need to open the door to Jesus in your life? Is it the first time? Is there an area that you pushed him out and you want and you need him to come back in? Dear Jesus, <laughs> thanks for being the most amazing big brother ever. Thanks for taking my place. Thanks for loving me even when I was running from you. Thanks for accepting me just as I am. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done for me and for us. Jesus, help me open the door. Help us open the door of our heart. Help us to make room for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to every single one here and that you draw us closer to you, Jesus. This is not a time of condemnation. This is a time of drawing close to Jesus because he loves you. He's gentle. He's humble. He wants you to experience life abundantly. Will you open the door of your heart? Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our weekly podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.